So today we are starting chapter 17 which is called the history of Kalia. Uh, till last time we had seen how uh, Krishna was able to subdue Kalia and his wives were requesting him for saving him. So today we are going to understand why Kalia was like this and what is the reason for his behavior. So let us see this is Canto 10. Part 2, Chapter 17, The History of Kaliya Having thus heard how Lord Krishna chastised Kaliya, King Pariksit inquired, Why did Kaliya leave Ramanaka Island, the abode of the serpents, and why did Garuda become so antagonistic towards him alone? Sukhdeva Goswami said, To avoid being eaten by Garuda, the serpents had previously made an arrangement with him whereby they could make a monthly offering of tribute at the base of the tree. Thus every month on schedule, O mighty armed King Parikshit, each serpent would duly make his offering to that powerful carrier of Vishnu as a purchase of protection. So this is a very strange, you know, like dawn. Every month you have to give him. So here we have Garuda who is uh, the carrier of Vishnu. And what was he doing? Now there was an island called Ramanaka Island. Now, actually, you, you may wonder whether this, there is an island existing like this or no. Of course, there is an island existing like this. And uh, I have taken certain shots which you can see in my updates, you know, where you will find that there is an island and that island is going by the name of Bali. And you will find that the national bird over there or rather the airline also know, is known by the name Garuda. And in that island there is a small place where you will find that uh, the snake has to be worshipped first before you go to the temple of Varuna. The Varuna's temple is in the sea. It's actually inside the sea. And just before you enter the temple, uh, there is a stretch of land which is only visible once the tides are low. And just like uh, you know Haji Ali in, in, in Mumbai. Haji Ali is visible only, I mean the path is visible only after the tide is low. When there is a high tide you cannot see the pathway. So likewise in the same, the same way over here in this island of Bali, there is a particular place. Now this place is called Tana Lot. So you will find that in Tana Lord there is a temple of Varundev. Varundev is called the god of the sea. Below that there is a particular formation of a snake. Now you will find that that particular snake though the island is in the middle of the ocean still that particular snake uh, gives off a water. It's like a formation of it's a, it's a rock formation. It gives off pure drinking water. So what these priests over there do, they take the water from that snake's mouth and then they, uh, you are supposed to take bath over there and then go up the slopes and climb up the stairs to reach the Varundev's temple. So that was, that was the scene. Now during the times of Krishna, just before that, now Garuda used to stay on that island and the snakes were also inhabiting the island. Now the snakes were afraid of Garuda. Naturally, he being a very great devotee of the Lord and such a ferocious bird, 
so the snakes were afraid so what they would do is they would give one sacrifice to garuda every now and then so now let us see what happens so while they were staying on that island hmm, although all the other serpents were duty dutifully making offering to garuda one serpent the arrogant kaliya the son of kadru would eat all the offerings before garuda could claim them thus kaliya directly defied the carrier of lord vishnu so when you are supposed to make an offering to the vishnu's carrier garuda kaliya was one snake who was not willing to do that he was the he was the son of kadru another snake o king the greatly powerful garuda who is very dear to the supreme lord became angry when he heard of this desiring to kill kaliya he rushed towards the serpent with tremendous speed as garuda swiftly fell upon him kaliya who had the weapon of poison raised his numerous heads to counter attack showing his ferocious tongue and expanding his horrible eyes kaliya then bit garuda with the weapons of his fangs the angry son of tarkashya moved with overwhelming speed and repelling kaliya's attack then terrible powerful carrier of lord madhusudana struck the son of kadru with the left wing which shone like gold beaten by garuda's wing kaliya was extremely distraught and thus he took shelter of a lake adjoining the river yamuna so what what did the snake do the snake went to this river yamuna now you will say yamuna is is, is in india and then this island is in ramanaka island supposedly is in another place how can that be you will find that uh, in ancient times the lands were not so distant as we see again you will find that during the time of ramayan sri ram was able to cross over from lanka to uh, to ayodhya now in his in his uh, aeroplane now you will wonder whether there were aeroplanes at that time or no or whether there were some sort of a transportation what kind of transportation was there how did that happen we all wonder whether you know during the ancient times whether we were so advanced technically whether there were such type of uh, you know special things available now you will find that mahabharat is also filled with different kinds of weapons and people could uh, throw a particular kind of a weapon now they are describing it from that particular time so you still wonder you know is it true can this actually happen of course it can happen you will find that uh, there are various places in the world today uh, just a small uh, snippet for you now you will find that there is a place which i visited which is called oliande tambo in peru now this particular place has a sun temple right on top of the mountain the mountain is very huge on top of the mountain there is a sun temple there are very huge rocks rocks the size of some 30 40 tons which are there right on top secondly if you go to egypt also each rock which is comprising of the pyramid is so massive and so impossible to lift that a human beings would have very great difficulty of lifting them again there is a sphinx a sphinx has been cut out of the rock full floor then there are particular places again in central america places in 
Asia. Now, there are various places around the world where civilizations beyond 10,000 years is also existing. So, there are places where civilization existed far beyond this time. And how were they able to do this kind of very, very precise calculations and absolutely perfect ways of, you know, doing things? We all wonder about all these things. Now, if you go to Easter Islands or you go to Stonehenge in UK, you will find that they are massive rocks. But if you dig below them, you will find that there is something else also. Again, there are civilizations which are found in Central America where now people have found pyramids and structures. And those are structures which are built at a particular place. If you dig below that, you will find another structure. If you dig still below that, you will find still another structure. And every structure that is built on top of each other is over tens of thousands of years old. Again, you will wonder why this, how can this happen? It is because now let us say for example today everybody is thinking that we should call Delhi as Indraprastha. I mean there is a movement in India where everybody is thinking that Delhi should be called Indraprastha. Now Indraprastha was the capital of the Kauravas and later on the Pandavas. Where is Indraprastha? Indraprastha is Delhi. So if we were to dig below Delhi, you will find that there will be definitely remains of a city which is called Indraprastha. Now if you dig below Indraprastha, you will find something else also. So you will find that these, these things are actually existing. Likewise, there is a, a current Dwarka. That's a Dwarka which is there today. But there is a Dwarka which is underground. It's under the sea. And that is still there. Even places which we can never think of, you know, like say for example, Venice or Vienna or some such type of places in Europe. Uh, just recently I was seeing one very beautiful story which has come up. Uh, there is a place uh, where, you know, you get these uh, pizzas from in Italy. Naples. Naples. Now, Naples is going to have an underground railway system. So, the Japanese are digging over there. The Japanese started digging underground, Naples. And they found a new city down below. So now they have halted that particular digging because they are founding they have, they have they are finding things over there which are really very strange. They never expected it to happen. But that is how it is. So you will find that there are different civilizations. So when we come to say a Garuda. You will say Garuda is just a small bird who has got a wingspan maximum of say 3 feet or 4 feet. But I am sorry, you will have to understand that this Garuda is a form of a transport. Okay. And again, you will say, Ki, how can Kalia fly? Well, these are certain things which we, with, today, with our brains, we cannot understand. But there will definitely be some explanation which we will not be able to decipher at this point in time. So we have to just let it be. Because it's far beyond our canon understanding. It's like today, how would how would we land on the sun? It's a very difficult task, no? From our point of view, can you can you land on the sun? You'll say it is full of gas. 
but there will come a time when we will have some sort of a technology or something where we will be able to understand now uh, when i was telling you about uh, peru where there is a temple of the sun there is a temple of the sun even in mexico even in colombia even where uh, our friend has gone you know whether it is costa rica it is there 100% it is there in india also we have temple of the sun sun god isn't it and the first god that was praised even in uh, egypt is the sun god so you have sun god temples all over the world now you will say how can sun god be there i mean they are talking about a deity a person and then there is a sun again we have a deity called the moon moon god and then we have the moon then we have shani shani dev you know shani dev is supposed to be a dark uh, person and then you have saturn how is that possible but that is how it is it's a representation and it's a person also who who is the representative head of that particular thing we have absolutely no clue as of now because our brains are still not adaptable to the new kind of things that are happening in this world today uh, we have just crossed the fringes of our solar system which is called pluto you know just a couple of months ago the first craft to go beyond pluto first time it happened and we are so mighty pleased about it and sometime ago we were able to send one probe to mars and we are so mighty pleased with it and today we are saying you know on mars they have found a buddha statue tomorrow they will say they found something else and then they found something else we are still very very in the kindergarten stage so looking at kalya and if he was able to transfer himself from one end to the other end let us not doubt it all right so beaten by garuda's wing kalya was extremely distraught and thus he took shelter at the lake adjoining the river yamuna garuda could not enter the lake indeed he could not even approach it in that very lake garuda had once desired to eat a fish fish being after all his normal food although forbidden by the sage sobri was meditating there within the water garuda took the courage and feeling hungry seized the fish seeing how the unfortunate fish in the lake had become most unhappy at the death of their leader sobri uttered the following curse under the impression that he was mercifully attacking acting on behalf benefit of the lake's residents now what happened is the lake where now this kalia was that particular lake had nice fishes at that point in time there was a sage called shobari now shobari was sitting at the lake and he was meditating over there and garuda wanted to fish in that lake and pull out some fishes and eat it and shobari he was that would distract the sage and unfortunately hunger overtook him and he was finally able to fish over there and so shobari got very angry and what happened over there he said these words if garuda ever enters this lake and eats the fish here he will immediately lose his life what i am saying is the truth so the sage had cursed garuda that you cannot enter this lake now you remember this is the story and this is taken advantage by the snake kaliya because he knows that garuda cannot enter this place and because garuda cannot enter this place he could stay over there for as long as he wanted of all the serpents only kaliya came to know about this affair 
and in fear of Garuda, he took up residence in the Yamuna Lake. Later, Lord Krishna drove him out and after that the episode of Krishna happened. And then Krishna again drives him out. Resuming his description of Krishna's chastisement of Kaliya, Sukhdeva Goswami continued, Krishna rose out of the lake wearing divine garlands, fragrances and garments covered with many fine jewels and decorated with gold. When the cowherds saw him, they all stood up immediately just like unconscious persons since his come back to life. Filled with great joy, they affectionately embraced him. Having regained their vital functions, Yashoda, Rohini, Nanda and all other cowherd boys, uh, women and men went up to Krishna. O descendant of Kuru, even the dried up trees came back to life. Lord Balrama embraced his infallible brother and laughed, knowing well the extent of Krishna's potency. Out of great feeling of love, Balrama lifted Krishna on his lap and repeatedly looked at him. The cows, bulls and the young female calves also achieved the highest pleasure. All the respectable Brahmanas together with their wives came forward to greet Nanda Maharaj. They said to him, your son is in the grips of Kaliya, but by the grace of providence, he is now free. Doesn't it sound very strange that he is providence himself and the Brahmanas and everybody thinks, you know, see God saved him. Not knowing that God is saving himself. <laughs> Actually, God is doing his Leela, but nobody understands him. So, it's a very funny incident where, you know, you think, oh my God, God is saving. Hmm. The Brahmanas then advised Nanda Maharaj to assure that your son Krishna will always be free from danger. You should give charity to the Brahmanas. With a satisfied mind, O King, Nanda Maharaj then very gladly gave them gifts of cows and gold. You know, this is a very funny situation where things happen. Uh, you will find that uh, people take advantage of the situation. Now, in our material world, you will find that there are people who use these kind of situations to their own advantage. Like you may go to a fortune teller or a person who is into witchcraft or a person who is into curing and those kind of things, you know. Uh, very uh, different kind of methodology is used. So, and the person becomes cured or the person gets a child or the person is free of certain things. And then they say, you know, see, I was responsible for taking away your problems. So, you need to pay me for it. So, this is like asking for something where uh, it is not expected out of that person. So, it's a false way of belief, you know, like things like this happen. So the Brahmanas taking advantage of the situation say to Nanda Maharaj, see, because of God's grace this has happened, so now it's the time to, for you to give Brahmanas something. So it's like, you know, free, 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 free. What? Uh, we do that actually. In India we do these kind of things. Oh, best of the kings, because the residents of Rindavana, uh, no, the greatly fortunate mother Yashoda having lost her son and then regained him, placed him on her lap. That chaste lady cried constant torrents of tears as she repeatedly embraced him. O best of kings Parishit, because the residents of Vrindavana were feeling very weak from hunger, thirst and fatigue, they and the cow spent the night where they were lying down near the bank of Kalindi. During the night, while all the people of Vrindavana were asleep, a great fire blazed up within the dry summer forest. 
the fire surrounding the inhabitants of Raja on all sides and began to scorch them. Then the residents of Vrindavana woke up, extremely disturbed by the great fire threatening to burn them. Thus they took shelter of Krishna, the Supreme Lord, who by his spiritual potency appeared like an ordinary human being. So what happens during the night? Now everybody is very tired after seeing this great episode over there. So what do they do? They, they sleep there only, near the river bank. But during the night, that's a forest. So the forest fires are very common in most of the places. Where there is, you know, dryness. At that particular point in time, the uh, branches rub against each other and forest fires happen. Uh, this happens all over the world. Whether you find it in California or Indonesia or India, everywhere in the world, forest fires are very, very common. That is because the trees rub against each other and there is, a, there is a spark and naturally it catches fire and the leaves are dry because of which these things happen. Then the residents of Vrindavana woke up extremely disturbed by the great fire threatening to burn them. Thus they took shelter of Krishna, the Supreme Lord, who by his spiritual potency appeared like an ordinary human being. Vrindavana residents said, Krishna, Krishna, O Lord of all opulence, O Rama, processor of unlimited power, this most terrible fire is about to devour us, your devotees. O Lord, we are your true friends and devotees. Please protect us from the insurmountable fire of death. We can never give up your lotus feet, which drives us away all in fear. Seeing his devotees so disturbed, Sri Krishna, the infinite lord of the universe and possessor of infinite power, then swallowed the terrible forest fire. So, what happens during the night? There is this fire and they all go to Krishna. And after they reach Krishna, they tell him that please kindly solve this problem of ours and Krishna is able to swallow the fire. Now, how does this happen? We will see. So, we have ended chapter 17. So, now we are going to chapter 18. It says, Lord Balrama slays the demon Pralamba. Sukhdev Goswami said, surrounded by his blissful companions who constantly chanted his glories, Sri Krishna then entered the village of Raja which was decorated with herds of cow. While Krishna and Balrama was thus enjoying life in Vrindavana in the guise of ordinary cowherd boys, the summer season gradually appeared. This season is not very pleasing to embodied souls. So, why is the summer not pleasing to embodied souls? Is because it's very hot. And especially in North India where this Vrindavan is, you literally you know, burn over there. The temperatures reach 40 and 42 degrees Celsius. It's so very high. And during the peak summer, it touches up to 46 sometimes. So it's literally like you are burning over there. So people don't like this kind of a season. And here we love to enjoy 18 degrees and 20 degrees temperatures. Right? So even in uh, places like Bangalore today, the temperatures have started reaching up to 38, which is very, very high. So, nevertheless, because the Supreme Personality of Godhead was personally staying in Vindavana along with Brahma, along with Balrama, summer manifested the qualities of a spring. Such are the features of the land of Vrindavan. In Vrindavan, the loud sounds of waterfall covered the cricket's noise and the cluster of teas constantly moistened by spray from those waterfalls beautified the entire area. The wind wafting over the wakes, waves of the lakes and the flowing rivers carried away the pollen of many varieties of lotuses and water lilies and then cooled the entire Vrindavan area. Thus the resident there did not suffer from the heat generated by the blazing summer sun and seasoned forest fires. Indeed, Vrindavana was abundant with fresh green grass. 
Now, you will find that the ecosystem over there is so beautiful that the entire place cools down very, very fast. Actually, there is a particular area in China and uh, you will find that they do terrace farmings right up to the top of the mountain. That means terrace farmings, I am sure you know, no? they will have a plot of land which is covered from all the sides by a bund and then another one and then another one and another one. It's like steps, one step, two step, three step, like that it goes right up to the top. Now you will find that the entire, uh, you know, the land over there is full of water. Okay, during the day what happens is this water evaporates, it becomes a cloud goes up and during the time in, in, evening or something like that it starts becoming rain and then the water flows from top to bottom again it's a very beautiful ecosystem which is there even in china today so the people over there in this particular province they live like that so they do bullock you know bullock fire you know that hull karte hain bolte plow they still have the bullock carts over there and <laughs> various other things. So even today, this kind of an ecosystem works. It's, it's, it's like going up and coming down. It's, the water is like that. So likewise, you will find that there are many places in India or in some such places, you know, where they may be closer to the equator also. They are still very, very cool. So things happen like this way. So in Vrindavan, the loud sounds of waterfall covered the cricket's noise and cluster of the trees constantly moistened by spray from those waterfalls beautified the entire area. The wind wafting over the wake, waves of the lake and flowing rivers carried away the pollen of many varieties of lotuses and water lilies and then cooled the entire Vrindavan area. Thus the residents there did not suffer from the heat generated by the blazing summer sun and seasonal forest fires. Indeed, Vrindavan was abundant with fresh green grass. With their flowing waves, the deep rivers drenched their banks, making them damp and muddy. Thus the rays of the sun, which were fierce as poison, could not evaporate the earth's sap or parch his green grass. Flowers beautifully decorated the forest of Vrindavan and many varieties of animals and birds filled it with sound. The peacocks and beans sang and the cuckoos and the cranes cooed. Intending to engage in pastimes, Lord Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, accompanied by Lord Balram and surrounded by the cowherd boys and the cows, Enter the forest of Vrindavan as he played his flute. So again we are going to have another episode where something else is going to happen. Decorating themselves with newly grown leaves along with peacock feathers, garlands, cluster of flower birds and coloured minerals, Balram, Krishna and their cowherd friends danced, wrestled and sang. As Krishna danced, some of the boys accompanied him by singing and other by playing flutes, hand cymbals and buffalo horns while still others praised his dancing. O king, demigods disguise themselves as members of the cowherd community and just as dramatic dancers praise another dancer, worship Krishna and Balram who were also appearing as cowherd boys. Krishna and Balram prayed with their cowherd boyfriends by whirling around, leaping, hurling, slapping and fighting. Sometimes Krishna and Balram would put their hairs of the body's head. While the other boys were dancing, O Krishna, O King, Krishna and Balram would sometimes accompany them with songs and instrumental music and sometimes the two lords would praise the boys saying, very good, very good. Sometimes the cowherd boys would play with bilwa and kumbha fruits and sometimes with handful of amalaka fruits. All other, at other times, they would play the games of trying to touch one another and trying to identify somebody with one is when one is blindfolded 
and sometimes they would imitate animals and birds. So these are the different pastimes of all the cowherd boys and Krishna and Balrama over there. They would sometimes jump around like frogs, sometimes play various jokes, sometimes ride in swings and sometimes imitate monarchs. In this way, Krishna and Balram played all sorts of well-known games as they wandered among the hills, rivers, valleys, bushes, trees and lakes of Rindavan. While Rama and Krishna and their cowherd friends were thus tending the cows in that Vrindavan forest, the demon Pralamba entered their midst. He had assumed the form of a cowherd boy with the intention of kidnapping Krishna and Balrama. So now one one more kidnap story is happening. <laughs> I think it's, it's a very common thing, isn't it? Now you see, na, uh, there are so many versions of it. Since the Supreme Lord Krishna, who had appeared in the Dashara, Dasara uh, dynasty, he sees everything, he understood who the demon was. Still, the Lord pretended to accept the demon as a friend, while at the same time seriously considering how to kill him. Krishna, who knows all sports and games, then called together the cowherd boys and spoke as follows. Hey cowherd boys, let's play now. We'll divide ourselves in two even teams. So now Krishna is going to design some particular methodology. The coward boys choose Krishna and Balram as the leader of the two parties. Some of the boys went in Krishna's side and the other joined Balram's side. So you are going to have a team. The boys played various games involving carriers and passengers. In this game, the winner would climb up on the back of the losers who would then have to carry them. Thus carrying and being carried by one another and at the same time tending the cows, the boys followed Krishna to a banyan tree known as Bandiraka. My dear King Parikshit, when Shri Dhamma Vrishabha and other members of Lord Balrama's party was victorious in these games. Krishna and his followers had to carry them. Defeated the Supreme Lord Krishna carried Sri Dhamma. Bhadrasena carried Vrishabha. And Pralamba carried Balrama, the son of Rohini. Considering Lord Krishna invincible, that foremost demon, Pralamba, quickly carried Balrama far beyond the spot where he was supposed to put his passenger down. Now thinking like, uh, you, know, you know, you have to carry the other person. So, what does Pralamba do? Pralamba wants to carry Balram far away so that he can kidnap him. As the great demon carried Balrama, the Lord became so heavy as Mount Sumeru and Pralamba had to slow down. He then resumed his actual form, an effulgent body that was covered with golden ornaments and then resembled a cloud flashing with lightning and carrying the moon. When Lord Balrama, who carries the plough, saw the gigantic body of the demon as he moved swiftly into the sky with his blazing eyes, fiery hair, terrible teeth reaching towards the scrawling bros and an amazing effulgence generated by the armlets, crown and earrings, the Lord seemed to become a little frightened. Remembering his actual situation, the fearless Balrama understood that the demon was trying to kidnap him and take him away from his companion. The Lord then became furious and struck the demon's head with the hard fist just as Indra, the king of the demigods, strikes the mountain with the thunderbolt weapon. Thus smashed by Balrama's fist, Pralamba's head immediately cracked open. The demon vomited blood from his mouth and lost all consciousness and then with a great noise, he fell lifeless onto the ground like a mountain devastated by Indra. The coward boys were most astonished to see how the powerful Balrama had killed the demon Pralamba and they exclaimed, excellent, excellent. They offered Balram profuse benediction and then glorified him, who deserved all glorification. Their minds overwhelmed with ecstatic love, they embraced him and if he had come back from the dead, as if he had come back from the dead. 
The sinful Pralamba, having been killed, the demigods felt extremely happy and they showered flower garlands upon Lord Balram and praised the excellence of his deeds. Now, we have all seen so many demons getting killed. And just two days ago, we celebrated Dashara. Now, Dashara is also a story of all the demons getting killed. Now, we have, we have always thought, you know, what is all these demons and demons and demons? Nobody has seen a demon. Till today, I don't think you have ever seen a demon in your life. Have you seen some Rakshasa which is, say, 100 feet tall or something like that? No. Maybe if you go for the Ram Leela, you will see some tall uh, Ravana being, uh, you know, created and then burned down. And that is all fake. Even the great horse that was there during the time of the you know, the Roman times, again, it was a fake horse. And there were fake people inside. There were all those, uh, remember, Helen of Troy. So likewise, you will find that there are no such things as Rakshasas or demons or some such type of a thing. Then what are these things? Now you will find that sometimes these people have a very funny way of hiding the real, the truth inside the episode or the story. Now, now look at this particular story. Now this story is what? It's a very simple story. What is the story talking about? It's talking about that the place is so beautiful, everything is going on quite well and suddenly while playing a game, a particular demon comes over there and he wants to kidnap the children. Krishna and Balrama. Then what happens? He carries Balrama over his shoulder and he starts becoming bigger and bigger and then when he becomes so huge that Balrama then bashes his head up and kills him and he falls to the ground and everybody is very very happy. You will wonder what is this story about? It's all bullshit and nonsense. Correct? But no. Now I will tell you the real meaning of this story. The real meaning of this story is simply this. You know, in our life we have a very peculiar situations coming up. And just so that we want to delay certain things happening in this world. We say, you know, when we were playing uh, hide and seek as children, you know, you would do like this, you know, you would spit on your, you know, hand over here and say, time please. You remember, this is a very, very funny thing that we do. You will spit over here and we will say, oh, time please, you know, you cannot catch me at this point in time. Isn't that what we used to do? Again, in our life, when we face a certain situation, what do we say? Can I have some extra time? Can I prolong this thing for a... Because we think by, you know, hiding our face inside the sand, the problems will go away. This we are so much used to it. Now look at the name of this particular demon. The demon's name is Pralamba. Do you know what it means to Pralamb? Pralamb means to extend. We want to extend time. We want to extend this particular thing, you know. And we want to run away with the time thinking, you know, ki, oh, this is anyway not going to happen. So can I, can I do it next time? You know, maybe if I close my eyes, the problem will go away. Problem doesn't go away. Problem always stays. You have to face it. And you have to hit it in between the eyes like that. Like that. You are the Balrama. Balrama is called Adishesh, by the way. 
and Krishna is the supreme divine consciousness in the every human being. Now this supreme divine consciousness lives inside every human being and you are the Balrama or you are the Lakshmana. The Lakshmana is also called the man. Okay. Likewise, you will find that you have to use your body and never procrastinate. The term is procrastination. We say, no, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it day after tomorrow, I'll do it later on. And we have everybody in life, you know, procrastinates. Everybody in life puts away something and says, oh, no, 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 no to, today I am very busy, today I can't do this, to, tomorrow this is a problem, day after tomorrow that is a problem. That is called pralamba. Understood? So these are stories which are meant for our own understanding. Unfortunately, we take them at a face value and we think, oh, there was a king and there was a queen and then there is this demon and then there is... And nobody believes in this kind of story. Actually, a few days ago, I was reading an article in Times of India, one of the newspapers that is uh, online. Some daily O or something like that. I don't know. I don't believe in all these papers. But anyway, in that there is a great singer called uh, Krishnamurti, some Suchitra Krishnamurti or something like that. I don't know who she is. But this woman had written about Sita and how Sita is being treated very badly and Rama is such a hypocrite and this and that. She had written it during this Dashara festival, this article. Saying that, uh, how can you call uh, Ram as uh, Purushottama? He sends his wife away. He treats her very badly. Now, people who do not understand a word of what mythology is all about, write these kind of stories and these kind of things. It is not a right thing to do. Because if you do not understand, why are you commenting on it? You need to first understand the story. Okay? It's like today there are wars happening. On one side there is Syria and one side it is Russia and one side it is America and so on and so forth. Why these wars are happening? Who are we to comment? I mean I don't understand. You also don't understand. But still there are people who comment on it. Again if I don't understand Shakespeare, why should I comment on Shakespeare? So likewise you will find that it's a very very important thing from our side not to comment on things which have which we do not understand a word about it. So, this lady had commented on certain things thinking that Sita is a wife and a woman. What are you talking about? It's a way of giving a story. It's a mythological story. It's a story which is telling you certain things. First, you should understand the real meaning of the story. It is given as an understanding for the purpose of everybody's understanding. You see, everybody doesn't have the brains, no? The proper brains that are needed. So how do you explain certain things to small children or to people with lesser brains? How do you explain to them? So you will say, you know, oh, last week we celebrated uh, Durga Puja and Durga is a great uh, slayer of demon. Who is Durga? Who is Shumba? Who is Nishumba? Nobody knows. Absolutely nobody understands who is Raktabij. But people love to comment on these kind of things. So what is the most important thing in all these books? Is to understand what is called Adhyatma. Adhyatma is the spiritual aspect of the book. 
it's very very important to understand the spiritual aspect of the book and then you have the right to comment on it and not just write anything that comes to your mind so it is very very important that we do not write on things which a person doesn't understand it is it's a hypothesis it's nothing it's not real at all so why are these stories there why are these kind of stories like you know just now we read a very beautiful story about pralamba what is a pralamba now who is qualified enough to answer these questions so you should go to a person who is actually qualified to answer these questions it's only then that you will know what is the true meaning of those words again there is a story of kaliya everybody has heard the kaliya story and everybody will say oh there is no such kind of a snake and then the snake stays over there and then there is a garuda and so we always have this very strange way of thinking that all these stories are fake no they are not fake for a simple mind how do you explain a story how does a person explain a story now you have a 5 or a 6 year old son and he asks you a story now there is something going on on television which is an adult theme you know adult theme how do you explain to a child what is going on in the film so naturally as a concerned parent your job is to make it as simple as possible for the child to understand see i was uh, talking to somebody last week and that person said a term called middleware now i am not a person who understand what is middleware now what is middleware for me it is all greek and latin so i asked brito i said can you please explain to me in the simplest possible language what is all this middleware about because mr brito understands he is a technological person he is an it fellow so he gave me the simplest explanation possible which my non technical brain should understand now if another technical person is listening to this conversation he will say oh what you are saying is all wrong no but he is trying to explain to a non technical person what it all means do you get the point so sometimes the sages they were very smart people remember the sages are nothing but knowledge base how does that knowledge percolate down to the simplest human level the brain which a villager or a, or a very simple ton in this world should understand how does the person understand so you give him simple stories now again today when we when we hear these songs you know baba black sheep have you you know have you any wool what is baba black sheep oh you are being racist people will say this word why why black sheep why not white sheep so there are idiots in this world who will think that it is racist again jack and jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water why they have to go up the hill what is the problem in life sir there is no problem how do i explain to the simple human child you know a 4 year old or a 3 year old or a 5 year old child how do i explain so i just put it in very simple words jack and jill name of two people they went up the hill to fetch a pail of water it is a simple explanation we are trying to put it in in lyrics we are trying to put it in story form 
so that the child is able to grasp the meaning of it. Likewise, the stories have been written. Now, see this Pralamba story. It is written in such a simple manner that there are two, you know, these coward boys are there, they are playing over there. There is Sri Krishna and there is a Balrama and then there is this demon. You know, we are fascinated by demon stories. Look at Harry Potter, magic stories. We are fascinated by all this, isn't it? The ring lord of this and uh, all this. These stories are there. We are so fascinated by them. Again, you go to some of these very beautiful songs that are there. We are fascinated by those songs. There is a beautiful story called Sleeping Beauty and, uh, and uh, you know, Snow, Do- Snow, Cinderella. Snow White, Cinderella. Now, Cinderella is a story which is very beautifully written. Okay? Now, when we look at a, a, a story like Pretty Woman, it's about prostitution. Can I tell a 5-year-old or a 10-year-old that this is about prostitution and this is what it happens? No, I have to make it into Cinderella and give him. Isn't it? So the same story, I have to make it palatable to that child's mind. And that is the reason why it is important to make the stories as simple as possible for human beings to understand. Because we do not have such elaborate minds of knowing. And that is the reason why at the beginning of it I said, you know, can we understand how these civilizations existed? Now in one of the places there is a 300 ton rock in Egypt. And it is so finely cut and it has been actually placed on top of another rock. So 300 ton, 300 ton, 300 ton like these rocks are placed. Today if I have to lift 300 tons, you know how many cranes I will require? But during those times, how did those people lift it or who lifted them? Do I have that knowledge? No, I don't have the knowledge. I don't have that understanding. So at this point in time, we have to consider it as a fairy tale. Oh, some magic must have happened. Because I am not able to understand or grasp these stories. Likewise, all our beautiful stories have been written like this. So only those who are qualified enough to decipher the real meaning of the stories should answer these questions. Criticism is done by common people who have absolutely no brains. Criticism. They will say, oh this is a woman oriented story, this should be women's liberation movement and all that. I am a feminist, I don't like Sita being treated like this, I don't like Draupadi being you know, treated like that. But who is Draupadi? Who is Sita? Have you ever tried to find out? It's for brainless people like you that, you know, like these kind of people who write these kind of stories, they have to be given these kind of stories so that a little bit of knowledge will go in their brains. So we say, you know, there was a crow. Okay, there was a pot of water. He was very thirsty. So what did he do? He picked up one pebble and threw it in that pot of water. Then it picked up another pebble and finally after he put a lot many pebbles, the water rose up and the crow was able to drink and fly away. It is teaching small children logic. You understand logic? Isn't this the same logic that was used by a very very great person? You know who the person is? 
who found out what is density and what is the uh, uh, you know of water i'm sure you remember the story if i tell you the name you will say ha ah, yes eureka i remember his name was archimedes <laughs> archimedes principle you know archimedes principle is very very beautiful principle once upon a time in in uh, in uh, in europe it so happened that this king he had given a certain amount of gold to his goldsmith and uh, he had told him to make a crown all right now the crown was to be made by the goldsmith but when the crown came back from the goldsmith the king had a doubt and the doubt was that you see when i had given him a block of gold and the gold was weighing a particular you know thing at that time there was no weighing but what he has given me back okay that crown doesn't weigh so much so the king had a doubt and he was wondering how this how can he solve the problem without you know unnecessarily blaming the goldsmith so he told his kinsmen you know can you please find out the answer so there was this great kinsman his name was archimedes now archimedes was one day taking a bath you know the tubs are there ha huh? so he entered the tub and he went inside the water and there was a certain displacement of water displacement means the moment he went inside the water fell off the tub and it suddenly hit him oh this is a displacement principle i can use this principle over there i can put that gold in it and it will displace a certain amount of water and that is how the volume you remember there is a the mass upon volume is equal to you know that theory and that is how archimedes was able to tell the king that this person was a robber he has taken some gold from you so it's a very beautiful principle which was which came into now but till that time did anybody know about it no everybody was going absent minded aaj theek hai chalta hai and everybody who was taking us for granted now today you know it's a, a, now people in india we also get fooled by this principles have you ever gone to the store where they give uh, sweets you know sweet stores and uh, what they do over there now they are putting some pedas in your box what they do is there are two portions of the box the top portion and the do- down portion the down portion is made up of thick very thick cardboard and the top portion is made of very thin board they will put the bottom portion and then they will put the top portion on this side of the weighing scale and then they will weigh so we think that oh maybe about 2 3 grams must have gone i'm sorry you should actually go and see the weight of that you will find that this sweet meat people cheat you by putting more weight on that side and when he puts those pedas he is actually taking out 2 3 pedas from it now this is this is a way of cheating people another way of cheating people is also very simple i don't know whether you know about it you see when when you take that 1 meter scale you go to a shop 
when you measure the cloth out, you know the cloth. Huh? Now, when you measure the cloth out and the person turns it round, that that's a one meter scale and then two meters and then three meters. Now you are you are buying say about five meter cloth. So what happens? In five meters you have bought a certain amount of cloth. Alright? Now think about it that when he is measuring it out, he is actually the scale is only 95 centimeters or 96 centimeters. It is not 100 centimeters. You know 100 centimeters make one meter. So these are fake scales. That fake scale is equivalent to 96 centimeters or 95 centimeters. So when you turns around, every time he takes a turn, it is 5 centimeters less. Now very simple calculation. What is the percentage loss? 5 percent, isn't it? Huh? 5 centimeters in 100, right? Now you may say I just bought 2 meters. So 10 centimeter loss is not a big thing. But let us say, every meter he is charging you 100 rupees. So 200 rupees you have paid. But actually how much he has given you? 190. Right? Which means 10, 10 centimeters less. That means have you not paid 10 rupees extra? Now think about those people. At the end of the day they might have sold 100 meters. 100 meters is what they must have sold okay of that same cloth and 5 centimeter for every person they have taken at the end of the day how many meters they have robbed 5 meters 5 meters of cloth they have robbed and remember the price of 1 meter 100 rupees so they have earned 500 rupees at the end of the day by cheating people. Isn't it so? We do not understand the implications of this. We think that it's okay, it does not matter, it's just a small thing. No, that small thing actually really matters. So always remember this, there are always methodologies of understanding. So now you understand Archimedes principle was so important to us. So that we don't get cheated. So that we understand the truth in everything. So to understand the truth of Pralamba, you need somebody who will explain. You will need an Archimedes over there. And likewise to understand every story, you need a person who explains to you. That's the teacher. And that is the reason why the inner, the deeper meaning of the stories have to be understood before you comment on them. Got it? So this is the reason why we always have to be very very careful when we read this kind of articles. Because it twists our mind. And we do not know the truth and we are not even interested in knowing the truth. So knowing the truth is very very important. So let us try to understand the truth. So this time we will stop over here. We have ended chapter 18. Now next tomorrow we will do swallowing the forest fire chapter 19. So we can stop over here.